0: Ave and welcome to Emperors of Rome, a podcast series in which we look at the rulers of the ancient Roman Empire. I'm your host Matt Smith and with me as always is Dr. Rhiannon Evans, lecturer in Ancient Mediterranean Studies at La Trobe University. This is episode VII, The Legacy of Caesar. When we last left Caesar, well he was in a pool of blood on the floor of the Senate. So now that he's dead, You'd think that would leave his killers, Brutus and Cassius, free to rebuild the Roman Republic. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't quite work out that way. Here's Rhiannon Evans.
1: The reason that the Republicans, Brutus and Cassius, don't succeed in their purpose is there's still a lot of resistance and there are Caesarians, as it were, there are followers of Caesar. There's Mark Antony, who was Caesar's right-hand man, technically his master of the horse, it was called. And there's his heir, his great nephew, Octavian, who was called Octavius before, but now takes on Caesar's name. So he is Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus. He's the Octavian Gaius Julius Caesar. So technically he becomes Caesar. He's adopted by him in his will. And that means he gets his name and his property And he then pursues his kind of rights. He wants revenge for his great uncle, his adopted father. He pursues the assassins and he and Mark Antony manage to defeat them in battle in the East. So there's really no hope left for the Republicans at this point. They sort of carry on with little skirmishes and uprisings here and there. But power is now based with Octavian and Mark Antony.
0: Right, so the attempt to reclaim the Republic has massively backfired and has very much gone in the opposite direction now.
1: Absolutely. And what it's actually going to lead to is exactly what the Republicans were trying to avoid, which is a form of monarchy. Because it's 42 BCE when the Republicans are killed off, when Brutus and Cassius are killed. And you could say that by 15 years later, and that's usually the date we give, 27 BCE. Rome is an empire. It's got an emperor in charge, and the man who's going to be in charge is Octavian, and he will change his name to Augustus. He's the first emperor of Rome.
0: So in amongst that, there's civil wars going on between Octavian and Mark Antony. So why is Augustus the first emperor of Rome? Why wasn't Julius Caesar ever considered an emperor?
1: Well, he's, he's the perpetual dictator. You could say that falls to the same thing. But of course, his his power as dictator didn't last very long. And for much of that time, he was involved in civil war. So he doesn't have very long in that role. Another thing we should remember is that the Romans don't use the word emperor. If we want to talk about the terminology... They use the word imperator, which is where we get emperor from, but it's actually a military term. It means general. It means someone with command. Octavian gets that name, but he also more importantly gets the name princeps, which means first man. That's actually a republican term. It means he's the first man in the senate. It's usually given to the oldest man in the senate. He is very young, relatively young, so that kind of age barrier is going out of the window. He's the the princeps, and that term will continue to be used for what we call the emperors. But the reason we call them the emperors is that they follow on from the system that Augustus sets up, which is actually not one of destroying the system. In many ways, he claims he's maintaining the republic. And he very famously, in the 20s BC, says, I give back the republic to the senate. But what actually happens is, he's given an enormous amount of authority. So nobody gets to be consul unless he decides to nominate them. He is gradually given a set of powers which amount to monarchy. Like he's given what's called the tribunician power, which means he has the veto. And normally a tribune would only have it for their term in office, but he's got it forever. And so it's all of this accumulation of power, which the Senate then gives to his successor Tiberius, That means that he's the princeps, the first man, the man in control, and power is absorbed into one man. And it's accepted pretty much by everybody, whereas with Caesar, of course, it wasn't, and he was murdered.
0: Is that the role, though, that Caesar always wanted? Did his son get everything that he hoped for?
1: We have no idea whether he hoped to set up a dynasty. The dynasty comes out very strongly with Augustus, who starts promoting members of his family, starts um, putting up public art with, actually with children on it, which hadn't happened until that point, And they are thought to be members of his family. Certainly he's promoting the idea of family. He builds a huge mausoleum, which is just for his family. None of these things are things that Caesar had time to do. We just don't know whether he was thinking of a dynastic arrangement or whether he was thinking of having sole power himself. He does seem to have wanted to put himself in a position that's beyond the power of the Senate to take it away from him.
0: So in the aftermath of Julius Caesar's assassination, how was he remembered by Rome?
1: Well, his funeral is a great occasion. And as I said in an earlier podcast, funerals were big occasions that Julius Caesar had made use of himself. And Caesar's heir, Octavian, makes really good propaganda use of this funeral because uh, by happy coincidence, a comet appears in the sky as the funeral is taking place. And Octavian claims that this is Caesar's soul going to heaven and that Caesar has been deified. Caesar is now a god. So Caesar is remembered in the best way you can possibly be remembered in Rome. He has become a god. He is now... Divus Julius, the divine Julius, not just Julius Caesar. But the great thing for Octavian is that he can now call himself son of a god, Divi Filius, and he puts that on all his coinage. He loves that idea. That gives him this great status. So his family is not only now related to Venus through many, many generations. He himself is related to the divine Julius, and he builds a temple to Julius Caesar puts a cult statue of Caesar in it. Statues of Caesar everywhere. People are not allowed to forget that this is what Caesar's become and the the kind of ongoing authority and effects for Octavian.
0: Now, Caesar wasn't in power for very long. So what did he do about uh, Caesar's legacy and what he'd left behind? Because there were a lot of building projects, weren't there, that were left half-finished?
1: There were, and he was actually beginning this while he was in Gaul, because he didn't want the people in Rome to forget about him. So building monuments is a great way of getting the Roman people to remember who you are and the amount of money that you've lavished on them. Caesar had, for example, built a new Senate house. The Senate house had been burnt down during all of the the ructions in Rome in the 50s. And he'd very cleverly done two clever things actually. One was that it was now the Julian Senate House. You can see how his name is appearing everywhere. And the second was that he moved it slightly. He didn't build it along the same alignment as the previous Senate House because he wanted to build his own forum, the Forum Julie, uh, which he he built this, this beautiful structure next to the forum. That he did not finish. So that's one of the things that is part of his legacy that Octavian completes. So you've kind of got this challenge to the history of Rome in a way. You've got the Roman Forum, which now has a Julian Senate House in it, but right beside it you've got a much more regular, because the Roman Forum's a bit higgledy piggledy, it's grown up over centuries. You've got this much more regular rectangular structure with beautiful colonnades and a central temple, uh, sort of at the apex, which is a temple to Venus lest you forget that Venus is the the guardian goddess and ancestress of the Julian family. And Augustus, Octavian perhaps we should call him at this point, has a lot at stake in completing this. It's a way of memorialising his father and his family and making people remember him and his connection to Julius Caesar. There are other buildings that are left unfinished too, uh, which... Octavian does some quite clever things with, uh, there's a a theatre that's being built down by the the Tiber, and Octavian completes this, and he names it after the man who he had named as his heir, a man called Marcellus, who's his nephew, so it's the theatre of Marcellus. But that, in fact, was begun by Julius Caesar. So because that's completed a little bit later... What Octavian stroke Augustus is doing is quite clever. He starts off by talking just about Julius Caesar, completing buildings that are about Julius Caesar, and after a little bit of time, he's starting to move on to his own legacy. So the legacy of Julius Caesar is very much of Octavian, Augustus, and what's going to come after Augustus.
0: As far as emperors go, Augustus was quite successful, and he was a much more successful person in charge than Julius Caesar was. So how did he get it right as opposed to his predecessor?
1: Well, one thing he didn't do was give any mercy to his enemies. Caesar was famous for his clementia, his mercy, and he did forgive the people who had fought against him in civil war by and large. And that meant that there were people around who were prepared to get involved in a plot against him. Octavian didn't do that at all, and he got rid of anybody who might challenge him including Cleopatra's child, who she claimed was fathered by Caesar, he's got rid of very quickly. So that's one thing he did. He was much more ruthless. Secondly, he treats the Senate very, very carefully. He claims to have restored the Republic, and he claims also to be going backwards in all kinds of ways, that he's restoring traditions some religious rituals he frankly makes up pretty much, or nobody knows what they are anymore, but he claims that he's setting them up again. So he's very, very conservative, and that appeals to the members of the Senate who are into tradition. So he plays the propaganda battle very well by commemorating Caesar. But he also sort of, at least on the surface, shows a lot of respect to the conservative Senate. He's very good at the balancing act that Caesar doesn't seem to have managed. Caesar is much more out there. He's prepared to use the sort of badges of kingship, even though he turned down that crown that Mark Antony offered him. There's still the effect of associating Caesar possibly with a crown, possibly with kingship. Okay, Augustus would never do anything as crass as that. He's much more careful about playing the cards of tradition and saying that he's doing everything with regard to tradition, that there's precedent for everything, even if that's not technically true.
0: So why do we remember Julius Caesar as such the figure that he was?
1: I guess one of the reasons he's famous is that he got murdered, quite frankly, that people who die before their time, as it were, are often commemorated more than those who just live a long life and then die very quietly. But, of course, he's a very important figure for several reasons. For one thing, he does lay the groundwork for the emperors, even though he's not an emperor himself. He's really the last figure of the Republic, the figure who both brings about the end of the Republic but is not part of what comes afterwards. And also, he's a very successful military figure. Of course, he's not alone in this in Rome. Um, But I think that one of the reasons is where he's a successful military figure, so that people who live in most of Western Europe can sort of trace Back to a time where Caesar was trampling all over their land in France and Belgium and parts of Germany and the Netherlands. And of course, he, he makes the trip to Britain twice and he writes it all down and we've still got that. So I think the fact that we've got one of Caesar's texts makes him more important and makes him someone that we talk about more.
0: It makes sense to me that because the Romans spent so much time comparing themselves to him, that going on for hundreds of years as a way of cementing a legacy
1: and there's good evidence that Mussolini tried to recall Julius Caesar in his early years in power and that actually sort of halfway through he transferred to Augustus modeling himself on Julius Caesar this impressive commander on his way up and then he turns to the man who was actually successful who didn't get murdered (laughs) Of course Mussolini's end was much more like Caesar's who sort of started this huge dynasty empire and this is what he aspired to. So Caesar is, as well as Augustus, is also someone that some military leaders have modelled themselves on. He was clearly such a kind of brazen figure even to the Romans themselves. So they're all talking about him and we're still all talking about him.
0: That's Dr. Rhiannon Evans, lecturer in ancient Mediterranean studies at La Trobe University. And you've been listening to the podcast Emperors of Rome. You can find this podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud, so if you like it, please subscribe, share it with your friends, or leave us a review. You can follow us both on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans. I'm at Nightlight Guy. We've now reached the end of Caesar, but coming soon on Emperors of Rome, we'll be hearing about his great-nephew and successor, Augustus. Until then... I'm Matt Smith, you've been fantastic, and thanks for listening.